so uh, we're back in our Luke series, and uh, uh, I wanted just to say at the start, I, um, I probably don't say this enough, I, I count it a real privilege to be able to preach here at Life Church. It's a real privilege to be able to open God's Word together, to uh, examine uh, through the life of Jesus, as we have been in this last series, some of the real gems, uh, to be challenged together, to grow together. It's a real privilege uh, to be able to do that. So um, thank you for letting me preach. I really do uh, appreciate that. I know many of you probably don't have much say in that, but um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, it is a real joy. Uh, well, some of you could smile a bit more, but it is generally a joy <laughs> uh, to preach here. So um, we're in uh, Luke 19, we're in the kind of second part of uh, Luke chapter 19, if you want to start turning there. It's uh, a passage (coughs) which I guess will be familiar to lots of us, uh, called the triumphant entry, and uh, we're going to be talking about the moment when Jesus enters Jerusalem. Uh, This really is the moment where lots of things start to kind of heat up uh, in this gospel. Uh, Jesus is quite literally walking to the cross Uh, And so there's a real tension, uh, there's a real triumph in that, but also some tragedy that we'll uh, look at together as well through these uh, stories uh, in this last uh, little bit. We've got um, only two more weeks in Luke, and then we're doing some other series uh, over Christmas and then at the start of the new year, and then picking up Luke again, the final parts of Luke in the lead up to Easter. Uh, So uh, you've got a little break from Luke uh, soon, but there is much more still to come. Uh, that we can get out of this wonderful book together. So uh, hopefully now you've been able to find your Bibles. If not, it will be up on the screen. Luke 19, uh, I'll be reading from verse 28. And when he'd said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, the mount that he called Olet, uh, he sent two of the disciples, saying, "'Go into the village in front of you, "'where on entering you will find a colt tied.' on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away uh, and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need for it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it and he, was, and he rode along Uh, They spread their cloaks on the road as he was drawing near. Already on the way down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered them, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come when upon you, when your enemies will come upon you, when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do 
for all the people were hanging on his words. It's an amazing uh, passage that we get to look at together this morning. Uh, In many ways, if Jerusalem was like a beehive, uh, what we've just read is like hitting it with a stick. Uh, In Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, basically it says that all the people were stirred up after this happened. So basically, Jesus has has walked into Jerusalem, or he's, he's making his way to Jerusalem, and the whole city is stirred by what is about to happen. We uh, read that some of the comments that Jesus made ultimately later lead to him being crucified uh, in Jerusalem. And li- Jesus is quite literally walking uh, towards the cross. But there is uh, so much for us to learn uh, about this coming king. And uh, I really want us to answer uh, a question, at least initially, as we're looking at this this morning. What does it look like for Jesus to be king in my life? We've uh, sung a lot about that this morning already. The uh, songs have definitely helped us explore this whole idea of kingship. And I thought what Danielli read about God being our good shepherd, I mean, it's it's wonderful, isn't it, Uh, to hear those encouragements. Uh, But what does it mean uh, to have Jesus as king of our life? I want uh, you to imagine this approach of Jesus. Jesus is walking uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem, He's looking out on the city of Jerusalem. It's a a steep incline to Jerusalem. And uh, as Jesus is uh, walking there, uh, it's um, from one of the lowest places to one of the highest places. It's uh, a very very deliberate moment that we see played out. A really deliberate moment uh, of entry for Jesus. And so uh, maybe, maybe you can... Uh, humour me for a couple of seconds. Uh, entries are important, aren't they? You ask any decent wrestler, entries are important. And so I want to ask you just for 30 seconds, you're going to have to be quick on this, why don't you just turn to the person next to you and tell them what your entrance music would be. A few people humming. A few, uh, why have you not thought of this before? <laughs> we are the champions. Wow, yeah. There's a few people humming I can hear. Well, look, if you haven't thought of this already, you need to start thinking about it for the next time we ask. Right, so, so entries are important. Okay, Jesus is making a statement by this entry a statement that we, we would have to make in another way, but Jesus is making a massive statement uh, by this entry. And it's important that we kind of understand the statement that he's making to the people that were there at the time. So in short, uh, in the first century, as Jesus is approaching, it's quite clear to the Jewish uh, witnesses what's going on. Jesus is fulfilling an uh, Old Testament prophet, prophecy in Zechariah 9, verse 9 specifically, that says that the Messiah will come. The Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he's going to ride on a colt, uh, which is a a baby uh, or a a young donkey, uh, one that has has not been ridden uh, before. And this was exciting for the Jewish nation. This was really exciting, because it also linked him with some other prophecies that they had, that this Messiah would come and would be enthroned as king. 
He would, he would come and uh, he would be of the line of David, uh, a king that is uh, talked about a lot in the Old Testament, and he would, he would come and make all things right. That's what they were thinking when they heard these things. They were, th- they were thinking that this Messiah is going to come and he's going to be uh, enthroned as king again and he's going to boot out the Romans. That's basically what they were thinking when they saw Jesus approaching in this way. Jesus was going to be enthroned in Jerusalem. And uh, it's quite exciting as well for us because uh, we've seen throughout this story that Jesus uh, takes a number of occasions where he deliberately um, doesn't uh, disclose who he is. So we see it repeatedly, don't we, where we see that uh, he heals somebody and he says, right, go, don't, don't go tell lots of people, just go, go home. You know, he, he doesn't, he, he rebukes people. Some people say, you're, you know, he says, no, no, it's not, it's not time. But here we see that Jesus is happy to, uh, to kind of identify himself in this way. He's specifically identifying himself in this way. So I'm the Messiah and I've come. So the first thing that we see uh, through this story is that the king has come. And the way that he's come is not as the Jewish people expected. He's not come in the way that we would expect either. A king's entrance should be about power and dominance. We read the, the Romans would do these massive parades where there would be a king on, on, a, on a massive war horse that would have its uh, captives trailing behind. And here we see Jesus uh, coming in on a, on a baby donkey. It's not an image of power. It's not an image of dominance. And he's not come to do uh, what the Jewish people are thinking he's about to do. This is, there's something different going on here. Jesus hasn't come to slaughter, but to be slaughtered. Instead of being enthroned, he's come to humble himself even to the point of death. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has come to humble himself in this way. And even more so, uh, Jesus has come in what we uh, have seen as described as this triumphant moment, and it is a moment of triumph. But as we read in the other stories after his entry, we see that he mourns. He mourns and speaks of judgment that is coming to Jerusalem. There's real tragedy in these verses as well. So it's not what the people uh, that were watching uh, were expecting. So how do we apply these things for us? Firstly, I think it's really helpful for us to consider these verses, and we must accept Jesus for the king he, who he is rather than who we would like him to be. Okay, so that's a bit like what the Jewish nation were doing. They were seeing uh, Jesus come, and they were saying, oh, he's come, he's come to make all of life right again. The Romans are going to be gone. Everything's going to be great, uh, and he's come to do that. But that's not what Jesus was intending to do. Jesus was intending to to come and deal with a much deeper issue, the deeper issue of sin. He was going to liberate uh, not just this nation, but all nations from the enslaving, entangling sin uh, that is around us. So we are called to accept Jesus for the king that he is. And I think it's easy to fall into this way of thinking, that uh, we accept Jesus in our life and then all of these things are going to follow and it doesn't happen like that, does it? Does it? 
It's easy to think that the kingship of Jesus might look this way, but actually following him, making him the authority in our lives over all things is a real big challenge, isn't it? Maybe few people think so. Kingship over our bank balance, kingship over our careers, kingship over our family, kingship over our health. For Jesus to have sovereignty over those things, for Jesus to be the king of our lives means that we are not in all those areas. And I, wanted, I was really encouraged. This week I got to spend a cup of tea in the morning with a couple who have just had some really difficult news, health-wise, and I was sat with them, and they said two things which I thought were just wonderful. They said, uh, God is good, and, uh, and we've just put it all in his hands. And I thought, what a wonderful, wonderful testimony of the kingship of Jesus. And I count it a real privilege to be in this community of uh, brothers and sisters, and I can see a number of people making choices like that all the time. Choices like that constantly, where they're saying, no, Jesus is king. And do you know what? It doesn't even look like it sometimes. I don't really understand what's going on, but Jesus is king, yeah. and I'm trusting him. Yeah. Does it, do you understand what I'm trying to say from this? Like, sometimes it feels a bit like we're looking at Jesus on this donkey, and we've got, like, Jesus, do you not know what's going on here? A bit like the Jewish uh, witnesses. They're kind of like, you're not come to deal with this. But actually, Jesus called us to trust him for the king who he is. And I'm constantly humbled, constantly encouraged as I see that in many different lives around this room. We need to keep on telling one another about this. We need to keep on encouraging one another in this. Amen? Amen. Submitting and trusting to, to Jesus in these areas. The second area that I think is a real challenge uh, is this whole area of power. On the face of it, it looks as though Jesus is kind of coming in on this weak-looking donkey, but there's real power in what Jesus is doing, real authority in what Jesus is doing. There's a, a challenge that we, I think, sometimes misquote sometimes where we say, Jesus said, if we didn't praise, even the rocks would cry out. Even the very rocks would cry out. Isn't that a wonderful statement to make? What Jesus is, re- is responding to there, though, is a specific thing. The Pharisees are saying, look, don't make a big show of this. You, you might upset the Romans. That's essentially what they're doing. You read a bit more about it in the in the book of John, but essentially what they're saying is, look, are we going to trust this man riding on a donkey with this group of followers? What happens if we upset the Romans? Are we going to really trust him to overthrow this lot? Are we going to really trust him if it all comes down to a big battle? I think there's a real challenge in this verses for us. Jesus says, look, don't be, don't be naive to these things. If you didn't praise, the very rocks would cry out. There's something more powerful going on here than the Romans. There's something more powerful going on here than you can see. And I think for us, that's a real big encouragement as well. We must recognise God's power and authority even when it doesn't look like it's happening that way. Okay, So even when it looks as though other things are bigger and more powerful and more dominant, don't, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Don't be like the Pharisees who would say, look, you know, are we going to really trust in that? Are we going to really trust in that? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is coming with real power and authority. And he says, even the, even the very rocks would cry out. Yeah. Even the rocks would cry out if you didn't praise. 
There's something much bigger going on here. So there's a couple of challenges uh, for us uh, that we must be, uh, we must submit afresh uh, to his leading, to his kingship in our life. And I want to encourage you uh, to do that. He uh, is much bigger than all the other authorities that might t- try and take place in our life. Let me um, move on a little bit. Uh, to, uh, from verse 41, we see that, that Jesus is also a king who cries. A king who cries. And I think um, I take real comfort from this. I don't know about you. I take real comfort from this. We see this uh, king of real power and authority, and yet we read that at the start of verse 41, we read that he's a king who, when he looked across Jerusalem, the first thing he did was cry. He, uh, he did speak of the judgment that's coming. Jerusalem has rejected him. They've, uh, they've sought after other things and not, and, uh, and not put their trust in him. The Messiah, the one in whom they're waiting for, the one in whom they're hoping for, is stood right in front of them and they don't recognise him. And, uh, and Jesus is weeping. He, says he weeps over Jerusalem. But there is a judgment coming. There's, a, there's an actual judgment coming. The thing that he talks about, that happens about 70 years later uh, when Jerusalem is overthrown. But there is a, but there is a judgment that is coming to pe- those people uh, and he cries. And I think there's something that we see about our Saviour in just those few verses which I think are astounding. Absolutely astounding. We see a king who cares enough about us to weep. When we have been wayward, when we have not trusted him, when we have not put our our whole heart into following him and his kingship, yet he weeps. He weeps over that. And I think there's something for us to to learn as we uh, look across uh, Peterborough, as we're encouraged for uh, this coming Christmas uh, time where we're going to be inviting people to come and be confronted afresh with the, the good news of Jesus. Uh, there, there is something in that for us, isn't there? If our king is weeping, then there should be some weeping from us, shouldn't there? There should be something, at least in our heart, that feels that we should be sharing and serving our city around us. Do you agree? Yeah. I think so. It would be strange not to, wouldn't it? We're followers of him. Uh, we want him to break our heart for the things that break his, don't we? And so, just very briefly, I want to give you another opportunity to do that. Obviously, we've got Christmas, but uh, I sent out an email a couple of weeks ago. We're going to try and encourage all of our life groups next term uh, to do just that, to spend a term when we're serving and sharing the the, uh, hopes that we have in Jesus. Uh, Now, that might look different for different people, but really what we want to do is say, we're just going to give a term to this. Where, we're, where each of us are going to be really intentional, really looking at. And I'm still, I've had some fantastic ideas of how that could look. Uh, but please do keep those ideas coming in. Lots of exciting ways that we can do that. But I wanted just to encourage us in this. Jesus is a king who weeps over the rejection of uh, Jerusalem. Then we see, as the story moves on, we see uh, Jesus cleansing the temple. And he deals with the really important issue that's going on here, which is cake sales. Why are, why are we allowing cake sales in life, church? That kind of thing. No, it's a much deeper, deeper issue here, isn't it? The rejection of Jerusalem, the rejection of the Jewish people, has now uh, kind of been uh, declared in a much more obvious way in the way that they're using the temple. In the way that they're using this thing of significance they have in the middle of their... Uh, town, 
And uh, there's much that we can learn from this. Let me just pick a few bits out. Jesus here quotes Jeremiah 7, verse 11, where he says that you've made the temple like a den of robbers. Right. Physically, what's happening is that people who have uh, committed thefts and robberies are, are using the temple as a hiding place. Uh, unchallenged, they're kind of using that place as a place they run to and find um, refuge. Uh, but what Jesus is doing is quoting this, this passage in Jeremiah, uh, which is actually a moment when Jeremiah uh, prophesies from God about the destruction of the temple in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is linking back to that. And what happened in that moment, you can read about this in the book of Jeremiah, what happened in that moment is that the, uh, the Jewish nation, the Israelite nation, were, were finding significance in the temple and not in God. So what they were doing was, they were saying, uh, surely God could not uh, be unkind to us because we have the temple. Surely God uh, could not show any wrath to us because we have this temple. And actually then God speaks through Jeremiah and says, no, no, I'm going to destroy this temple. I'm going to destroy this temple because you've made it something that it's not. You've given it significance that it's not. And you're trusting in it much more than you should be. And Jesus here is identifying uh, with those verses and he's saying it's become a place of injustice. It's become a place of injustice at a physical level, but equally uh, within your heart, you've, you've made it uh, like your forefathers did and you see that your significance comes from having a temple and not from the Messiah who stood in front of you. Do you understand that? Make sense? So in short... He's saying, Jesus is quoting these verses in the same way and proclaiming, uh, proclaiming that the temple that, that feels like it brings security has actually become something that it shouldn't. And I think there's an application for us in this, that the, there are many uh, ways in which we can uh, live our life, a functional way of doing life that can, we believe will bring us security. We believe will bring us significance. Actually, in the same way in these verses, Jesus is the only one who can bring that security, the only one who can bring that significance, the only one who can deal with the power of sin and the effects of sin in our life. I feel, I feel there's a really big challenge in this. I feel personally quite challenged in this. I feel like recently there's just been a number of occasions where I feel like I've come to the end of myself. Like my own abilities, my own, uh, my own efforts. And I feel like God has been reminding me of these things. Not just God, other people have been reminding me as well. But, they, but people have been reminding me that I've come to the end of myself and that I need God. I need him. I need Jesus as the king in my life. I don't need to try and get locked down in the functionality of, of life and trying to do things my own way. I need a saviour. And as I was uh, praying about this morning, I really felt like there, this is perhaps an area for us to growing as well. I think there will be other people in this room that will feel like this. People who've perhaps entered a real season of dryness uh, and, and uh, become locked down in things of duty and uh, just functioning in a certain way that, that, that Jesus wants to bring us real challenge in this and say, no, I want to be king. And that means you're at the end of yourself yeah. and you need to trust me. I've felt that a number of times. I know a number of other people will do as well. And I want to just set that as a bit of a challenge to us. Lots of times I, I make real effort, but it's, it's a bit like trusting in a temple rather than the Messiah 
who stood before me. And, uh, and Jesus has called us uh, to live in such a way that we declare that he is our king. Does that make sense? Maybe. Finally, let's just look at this. This is a, we're flying through this, but let's look at a king who saves. I think this is stunning. Uh, these verses, as I said at the start, they're, they're just fantastic. There's so much in them. Uh, but Jesus is the king who saves. A king who saves. This, uh, I, I was so excited when I, when I read this. So uh, Jesus is entering Jerusalem at the time of Passover. For those of you that don't know what Passover is, it's a time when uh, the Israelite nation, Jewish nation, remembered what God did in the book of Exodus, where you probably have heard where uh, there were, the Israelites were locked into slavery by the Egyptians, and uh, they sent ten uh, plagues, uh, and ultimately the, the final plague was, a, um, was death that would come to the firstborn, and um, uh, the Israelite nation was saved, they were passed over, uh, because they followed some quite specific instructions from God at that time uh, to, in the way that they would kill a lamb and uh, paint the blood of the lamb on the door frames around their houses. And then death would pass over them. And that is an image into what uh, Jesus has done for us. Uh, throughout the uh, New Testament, we hear that Jesus is referred to as our sacrificial lamb. Uh, but there is a moment here which I just think is stunning as Jesus identifies himself in this way, I think a really uh, spectacular way. The, um, the moment that Jesus entered Jerusalem is four days before the fast Passover feast. It's the 10th day of the month. It's the moment when lambs were selected for sacrifice, where they were brought in from the hills that were surrounding Jerusalem, brought into the city. That is the moment that Jesus was brought into the city. Consistently throughout Scripture, we've been waiting for this a king who would come and humble himself, this king who would be slaughtered, this king who would uh, be like a lamb uh, who, would, who would save us. And now Jesus, on the same day as the hills around Jerusalem that were white with lambs uh, turn uh, to nothing, Jesus comes into the city, our sacrificial lamb, uh, the one who would ultimately be the sacrifice for our sin uh, that we uh, might know uh, the Father uh, and not be the separated through the sins that we've committed. I mean, what a stunning image, don't you think? Amen. Do you think that's a stunning image? Yeah. I'm so excited by these verses, I'm surprised you're not leaping out of your seat. I think this is a real revelation of the mercy of Jesus. Yeah. I, think this is, I think this is so wonderful. We know what happens after this, but isn't this wonderful? Jesus is doing all this where he's, where he's identifying himself with the Old Testament prophecies and saying this is what's happening. And then he's saying on the day when, when people's uh, attention is on, this is what's going to save you, this is, as we remember, being brought out of slavery, Jesus said, I'm going to do my own exodus. I'm going to do my own exodus, and I'm going to bring my people out of the slavery of sin by winning a victory over sin and death. And he comes, he comes as a king, he comes as a king who weeps, and he comes as a king who saves. And I think it's really, really exciting as we see uh, these verses. He fills this. No other sacrifice could come close. And we can't, uh, he makes space for no, uh, no misinterpretation of this. There is a, a day coming when uh, every knee will bow uh, before this king, and yet he has ridden on a donkey uh, into our lives uh, to, to make known his salvation to us. 
that we can choose to turn to him. We can choose to turn and bow the knee to him voluntarily uh, for what he has done in our lives. And I, I want to kind of finish really by doing uh, what the uh, disciples at the time were doing, which is singing a song. Uh, so in a moment we're going to do that if the band want to get ready. There is much that we can take from these verses, but I really wanted to kind of land a bit of a what do we do next about this. So um, as we look at the kingship of Jesus, there's a number of challenges that we can take. I feel like uh, we, as I said at the start, we can expect Jesus to be a certain way. And when he doesn't look that way, it's a real challenge. And I think there's an opportunity this morning to say, Jesus, you're my king, come what may, and I put my trust in you. I think there's also a challenge around this whole thing of power and authority and how quickly we can become locked down in the other things that happen in our life and the the other things that can easily dominate us, even areas of sin. Uh, But Jesus says, look, you know, he has come in real power, real power and broken into our lives. Even the very rocks would cry out if we didn't praise. The way that he... Uh, the way that by his sovereign power he even uh, tamed a young donkey. You know, this is, this is the king of kings, the lord of lords, who has ridden into our life in this way. And then maybe uh, there's a challenge for us uh, about accepting uh, this saving Jesus afresh into our life. I, do, I really do feel like there is a, a, a moment in which we can join uh, with those who were uh, on the route with Jesus singing Uh, the words Hosanna, Hosanna, which basically translates as uh, Lord, save us. Lord, help us. It's a praise, but it's also a Lord, we really, really need you. We really need you in our lives. We need you to break into our lives. We need you in this area of sin. We need you uh, in this area that is just dominating our mind. We, We need you in this area which is just uh, dominating uh, and affecting the way that we can't even praise you. Like, there's a real moment here that we can together uh, sing some words like we're joining the crowd and singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has come to save us, the one who has come to redeem us, the one who has come in power and authority. Can we do that? Amen. So why don't you jump up on your feet we're going to sing some verses together. We'll see where we end up. But I want, to, I want to encourage you as we do this to maybe respond personally. There's a, there's a moment to respond personally, to uh, freshly surrender uh, to this type of king, to freshly surrender uh, to the hope that we have in him and nothing else. Should we do that together? Yeah. Amen.